makes no human sense whatsoever. I liken that to when God called me to go to Northwest Indiana. Okay? There's no reason that any human being would lead Tennessee to go there. Okay? There's just absolutely no reason. Especially in January. Okay? And that's when God's telling me to go to Northwest Indiana. We, it, it just it makes no sense at all. But can I just tell you, when you first glance, look at something you feel God's telling you to do, and it makes no sense, let me just tell you the best thing to do, don't try to reason it out. Right. Just stop right there and just say, okay, Lord, that's boggling my brain, but if that's what you want me to do, here we go. That's what Ezekiel did. Can you imagine really being there and, and God saying preach to these dry bones? Because as you preach to them the word of God, breath is going to come back into them. Now, I, this is one of those situations where, you know, just like when we were out on tour that time and the guy had a big old boa constrictor and he wanted to, all the boys on the tour group to see it. And he had, we were staying at the house where the boa constrictor was. It's not a good thing to do. <laughs> And we're sleeping in the room where they had the boa constrictor in an aquarium. That's not a good thing to do. But the next morning we get up and we start traveling and, and going over to pick up the boys from tour. And Jobeth's sitting in the back and there's a sack down there. And, it's, and she kept thinking something kept moving around her feet. <laughs> she didn't realize the guy had put the boa constrictor in the sack and set it right back down there where she was sitting. It's a good thing she didn't realize it. I still wouldn't be able to find her right now. <laughs> We'd be out on some Mississippi road somewhere. Now, we, uh, we got to the place where the boys were going to be, and when the boys got there, and, you know, he was going to show them his snake, and he went back out to the car, and the, and the snake was gone out of the sack. The window was cracked about that much, and so he said it must have crawled out the window. Now, how that big old thing got out the window, I don't know, but he said it must have gotten out the window. And he came to us, he said, you got to help me find it. There's <laughs> 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 grass about this, this tall out there, and he said it's probably out in that grass. Now, I'm all out in that grass looking for something I don't want to find. The whole time you're thinking, okay, what if I do find it? I'm going to lose it again real fast. Because <laughs> as soon as I see it, I'm gone. <laughs> and that had to be how Ezekiel was. Ezekiel, as God said, preach to these bones and they're going to come alive. And I can think of Ezekiel thinking, I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> they may just do it. And if they come to life, now we what do you think you would do? <laughs> I mean, he starts preaching, and that thing, it's just bones laying here, there, and all of a sudden, <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> now, it's not much different to preaching to a congregation, but... <laughs> I'm always telling you, Ezekiel's up there coming. Come on now, listen to me. Pay attention. Pull yourself together now. You're not looking at, oh, you have no eyes. Amazing what God does. But Ezekiel just believed and obeyed. Amen. He just believed and obeyed. 
you must begin to hear the Lord, and normally he will speak. Listen now, if you want to begin to hear the Lord, I want you, I want you to understand this. What he begins, it's not by telling you to go out and conquer the world. He begins by telling you to change things in your life. He normally begins to speak to you about things of purity, morality, sin. That's kind of where God really starts talking to you. He starts talking to you. Uh, he starts talking to you as you're looking at that, and he's saying, do you really need to be looking at that? He starts talking to you when you're riding in the car, and that, and that radio is going, and, and, and that's playing, and, he's, and he just says, is that really what you think I want you to listen that's to? That's right, preacher. Amen, preacher. You see, that's where God starts to speak to you. He, he really normally does, and I'll be honest with you as I can be, I, I, just, I believe, honestly, my life was kind of abnormal, no comment, but, but I think that's a little abnormal to come out of the background I was in in Memphis State and God do something in my heart like he did watching Steffi. I mean, I had no background in church. I'm not even sure I've been baptized at this time. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. So I don't think that's the norm, but I want you to understand this. Just because that happened for me, don't think that's what happens to you, and just and don't think it can't happen to you, because God can do anything. That's he right. He really does everything much just how he wants to do it. But I'm going to tell you that normally, and I keep thinking i got a mic on and I don't, so can you hear me? And so uh, uh, the fact is, is that God is going to normally, he's going to start working your life little by little, teaching you little by little, right. line upon line, right. precept upon Amen. precept. Amen. But he wants you to hear him there. He wants you to hear him when he says, you probably not even, shouldn't even buy that. That's right. Amen. You know what? You probably should just turn that off. Right. You say, will God do that? Oh, yeah, he Amen. will. Amen. Yeah, he will. He'll even look at you and he'll, he'll say, you probably shouldn't have said that. Amen. He'll say, you know what you need to do? You need to go apologize. I mean, he starts, that's where he starts. He starts by sort of character issues. But he'll, he has, after he begins to speak to you, one of the things that he will also do is he'll begin to give you commands. He'll give you directions, a place to go, a job to do, but normally that comes later. So I have a question for you. Have you heard his voice? How long has it been since you heard his voice? You may be different from me, but I, you know, I struggle with humanity. So I really don't go very long with God, without God saying to me, that was a pretty dumb move. I don't think you should have done that. I don't even think you need to be doing that. I don't think you need to say that. How are we doing, folks? To 
This is something we've got to understand. You must understand the call of God to serve is a lifetime commitment. Now, I want you to understand as I'm speaking tonight, I don't believe the call to God is, uh, of God is always a lifetime, uh, you know, a full-time job. That's not what I'm talking about. I pull, you know, you're called to preach. You're called to be a missionary. I'm not saying that. I believe God calls us to do a lot of different things. But whatever he calls us to do, it's a lifetime commitment. You say, where do you get that? Well, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You may change your mind about it, but God never does. God never repents on what he's called you to do. Number three, the call. Now, listen, this, this is the most, most important part of this, I believe. The, the call is not an intense feeling because your heart is broken by a video or an illustration. That is not what it is. That's what you call a burden, a burden or a broken heart. A burden is important and vital, but we must, we, for we must have a tender heart, a broken heart for those who are suffering and the lost in this world. We need to have a, a tender heart. I, I, I love for people to have a tender heart. I wish everybody in here, myself included, that our hearts would always be tender for the needs of others. I want to do that. I, I don't like it. One of the things God convicts me of is if I ever feel like I'm growing cold towards somebody's need or somebody's lack, I, I, want, to, I want God to always keep my heart broken and my heart tender. But, but that burden, that's, God says that's a good thing, but that is not a call of God. The call is a compelling. Listen to this now. I, I, I really believe this with all my heart, and people have asked me, and young people have asked me for years and years, how do you know you're called? And, and let me just explain this little statement. A call is a compelling to do something you may not desire to do, but you know you must do. People will say all the time, I heard on the radio again, a guy talking about, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like God wanted me to do it, but I just couldn't get a piece about it. And I couldn't, you know, and I kept, couldn't get a piece about it. I couldn't get a piece. Let me help you. You don't always have a piece about the call of God. That's right. Sometimes Amen. you're scared, slapped to death. Right. Sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, my God, I, I, Listen, I'll go back in for, for an old Tennessee boy who never grew up in the country and never, nobody ever moved away for, for God to tell me on a Sunday night that I got to leave that week to go to a place I'd never seen before on the north side of the Mason-Dixon line. That was a hard thing. To go to Chicago... I'd watch movies about that place. It's all gangsters. Al Capone's still alive. They're killing people all the time. I grew up in a house where you couldn't see another house. And God wants me to go there. I didn't have a piece about that. You ask my wife how much peace I had the whole night we drove up there. None, because her 18-month-old daughter cried the whole night. <laughs> but that's okay. I didn't mind her crying because I cried the whole night. <laughs> I cried every night after that for about six months. 
walking around in that bitter, cold, freezing, slapped to death. I would cry and think, six weeks, I got no job. You think I got peace about me in here? Walk around the cold, my tears would freeze to my face. I've never been anything like that so cold. It's a compelling. It's when you know you've got to do it, even though you don't want to do it. You know, I'm not sure Philip had a peace when he was caught away to go chase down the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm not sure Paul had a peace about it when he was blinded by the light. Or Gideon had a peace about it when God said, take 300 and go, go after over 120,000. I really would have no peace about that. <laughs> Or Moses, when he's called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, I don't know that they had a peace about that. It was something they had to do. And how, you say, well, how do I know when it's something I have to do? It starts by hearing God and getting used to hearing God. And let me tell you, if you've never heard God convict you, to teach you, to tell you, or direct you, or anything else, Probably he's not going to come right now and tell you to go to the Mars. You know what I mean? He's probably not going to tell you to go take over a church. He's going to start by telling you, getting your ears accustomed to hearing the sound of his voice. You see, uh, in the very beginning, Eli didn't hear the voice, but he knew it wasn't his voice, so he knew it had to be God's. But Samuel heard the voice, but didn't know it was God's. And a lot of Christians go their entire life, and they've heard the voice, but they didn't know it was God. The formula is simple. You hear. If you're unsure of the voice, get spiritual counsel. No man, as I said, no man can tell you, uh, uh, and, and no man can decide for you. He can simply tell you to seek God and listen more and longer until you do know it is God. If you know what Eli did, Eli didn't say, "Hey, here's what God wants you to do," or he did, he he just simply told him, "You go back, and when God calls again, you answer him. You obey the call or the command." You watch when you do that, when you get that point and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. That's when you'll start to see the need that God has prepared you for. That's when you start, when you say, okay, God, I'm stepping out by faith, first step. Now you'll start to see the need that he has for you. And can I tell you, once you see the need, watch this, and you are obeying, you are obeying the call that God has presented to you, then you'll get a burden. The burden comes on the way back into this whole thing. A burden is a reward of those who obey the call. I'll give you this little illustration. Maybe this will help you a little bit. The uh, Salem ministry, when I, when I graduated from college, I didn't go to, I wasn't in the Salem ministry all through college, really didn't know what it was, didn't know much about it at all. But I graduated from college, and I went to work with a man named Toby Weaver, and he had a big, big Sunday school class. And so uh, now I'm going to be on staff. And so instead of uh, I was had been in the fisherman's club and bus ministry and different things, and so I, I, but I was going to be his assistant in there, and and basically just visit people for the the Sunday school class. 
And for about six months, that's what I did. And one Saturday, I was finished up visiting. I was at home. It was probably about 5, 5 or 5.30 in the evening. And I'm sitting there, got my little girls around me, and I'm enjoying them. You know, it had been a long haul of going to school full-time and working full-time and, and, and trying to do ministry and going nonstop seven days a week. And now I actually have a few hours on Saturday to be with my little girls, and, and I'm enjoying them. When all of a sudden, I'll I, I be honest with you, I, I can't explain it, but it was as clear as day that, that God spoke to my heart that I was supposed to call the leader of the Salem ministry. I can remember setting one of my little girls down, and, and I picked up the phone. You know those things that plug in the walls? <laughs> I picked up the phone, and I called him. Amazing, he was at home. And I said to him, uh, I said, listen, I don't even know if you know who I am. And he said, yeah, I know who you are. And I said, look, I said, uh, I can't explain this, but I really feel like God wants me to be a part of your ministry. That man just, he, he just laughed on the phone, just laughed out loud on the phone. And I thought, well, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but he just laughed, and, he, and, and then when he got, you know, stopped laughing, he said, I think God's in this. Well, I hope so. <laughs> and so he we hung up the phone the very next Saturday. I go to a meeting. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they do. I just sit in the meeting. You get done. I get on a bus. They take me to Great Lakes Naval Base. They drive on to the base. I go on the base, and they tell me I'm supposed to be a sailor. come down and play, uh, play sports. And I said, hey, that's me, man. And so I went out there, and I just started getting guys. I said, hey, come with me, come with me, come with me. I come down. I got to look at it. to see if the grocery store is open, she runs a red light and hits a car. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I get, and watch this, and Joe Beth's pregnant with Annie, right? I get a phone call from a police officer who is not happy with me that I let my wife leave at midnight to go driving around looking for a grocery store. And then 
it's not bad enough. It was her fault, of course. It was her fault. When we, we didn't know this. When we moved from Illinois to Indiana, the insurance that we had was no longer good. The insurance we had was only good in Illinois. So our first night in the ministry, my wife wrecks our car, totals our car, so we lose the car, plus we have to pay for another person's car, which was also totaled. Can you help me? If I went to the state of ministry from a burden, I'm just broken hearted for those saved. Let me help you. My burden would have ended that night. Yeah. Yeah. got to pay for another car. Uh, this is crazy. I've got to pay monthly now for, for about the next three years to pay off the car that I just destroyed. And, and watch, all of that, if it had been a burden, would have screamed in my head, God's not in this. And we would have never gone back the second week. But it wasn't a burden, it was a call. And when it's a call, you church for, for the next 20 years, it, you have to be called for that ministry because it was, a, it was a hard ministry. But over the next 19 years, not quite 20, 19 years, we saw about 40,000 sailors trust Christ. Amen. And it was a battle after a battle after a battle after a battle, but we were called. Most people think the call is only for full-time service, but the call is to do a work for God. The call, listen to me now, like I said, a lot of you think, well, man, I'm not about to go to Bible college, and I'm not about to take over a military ministry, but the call may be to build a Sunday school class. It may be to run a bus route. It may be to work with teens or junior church or, or to use your talent. The test will be revealed in what it takes to stop you when you step out in faith. And if it's purely for a burden because you're brokenhearted over the kids, or it's purely for recognition and you thought, you know, I, I'd love to, to do that in front of people, or if it's whatever the other reason might be, I'm going to just tell you, when the hard time comes, you're ready to quit. That's right. But if it's a call... Hey, if God brought you, he'll keep you. Now, what am I supposed to do with this 
the situation that, that I'm at in right now? That's the real question. Satan does not want us to hear and obey God. So what I'm challenging all of us to do is to look at our lives exactly how this might apply to anyone's life. I don't know exactly 